Welcome to Climate Anxiety and the Kid Question, a podcast that explores climate change, how it impacts our emotions and sense of well-being in the world, and ultimately how we feel about having and raising children in this climate-altered landscape. I'm your host, Jade Sasser. In this episode, I'm talking to Aisha, a long-term climate activist from Virginia who's thinking a lot about how climate change is impacting her mental health and that of other young people of color. But in addition to fear and anxiety about climate change, Aisha feels brave. She also feels hopeful about the future and about having children, whether biologically or through adoption. Let's get into it. So thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation. And I wonder if you can start by telling me your name and how you identify. So my name is Aisha Anganta Brown, and I identify with she, her, hers pronouns. Um, was that it or should I? Um, I'll, do you, how do you identify racially too? Um, racially, I identify as black, um, monoracial black. Okay. And how old are you, Aisha? I'm 25. 25. Okay. So as you know, this conversation is about climate change, climate emotions, the future, and the possibility of children. Um, to start off, what role does climate change play in your day-to-day life? Yeah, so climate change plays a pretty big role in my day-to-day life, not only because um, environmental sustainability studies was my major in college, but also just because um you can observe and feel the inconsistencies and patterns, weather patterns, um, seasonal patterns that were way different from when I was younger, which, you know, was a long time ago. And it just feels different and different in a bad way, different in Mm a, you know, it's speeding up like um, here in Virginia, things weather-wise were freezing early last week. And then warm like just like spring warm and then freezing again and now it's like warm almost like a summery warm almost hot outside and so that's very concerning so it's a constant reminder every day the sun comes out and goes down and the moon comes out and goes down that you know it's a very real um challenge and a real consideration that plays a pretty large role in my life that sounds Pretty familiar. I'm in Southern California. Today, the temperature is in the low 60s. Two days from now, it'll be 90 degrees. And we've had these pretty wild swings in temperature too. Here, of course, it's different because the concern is wildfire. But when the weather swings wildly like that, or the temperature swings like that for you, what do you get concerned about? I get concerned that that it won't be able to stabilize, I guess, that it won't be able to balance out because as humans, we sort of exacerbate the problem with, I mean, not as individuals, you know, like, oh, we as individuals didn't cause it. It's, of course, these bigger institutions and, and, and you know, um, governing bodies that refuse to do things a new way because the old way is so invested in money and the ways in which money was made a long time ago wasn't having you know as 
visible of, of the climate impact as it is now. And so people are scared to, to lose money, I think. So, um, yeah, I'm just scared of things or nervous. I try not to put too much fear into things because I feel like fear sort of feeds the beast, so to speak. So I, I guess I'm just a little anxious about things not balancing out. Um, well, let's go there, though. So you've mentioned a few emotions. You've mentioned fear. You've mentioned nervousness. You've mentioned being anxious. Um, when you do, you know, sort of focus on how you're feeling about climate change, what emotions do you experience? How, what's your emotional response to what's happening? Well, I guess, yeah, a couple of things, including the emotions sort of already mentioned. The first thing that I think of though isn't necessarily like a negative emotion I feel almost like brave in a sense is brave an emotion or just like a way sure. <laughs> maybe both <laughs> maybe both but I feel like very brave I feel like especially growing up at, at sort of the like older end of Gen Z um I feel like our generation and people joke about it on TikTok all the time that we're sort of the generation facing a lot of like historic events, like very large historic events that will probably be taught um, later on down the line. And so in a sense, it makes me feel very brave and like I'm facing this challenge no matter what. But like with that being said, it is something that I'm living in and through and have to sort of experience. So, you know, even though I try not to speak fear into the situation, it is something that scares me and a lot of people because it is something that is out of control, out of our control as individuals. A lot of people are feeling these kinds of emotions about climate change. And I was going to ask, so where do you go? Who do you talk to when you're feeling this way? And who are you expressing these climate feelings with? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I do have a therapist, but I guess I don't really talk to them that much about um, climate emotions. Um, I guess I sort of, maybe I internalize them, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I have been very involved with climate work for a very long time, since I was 17, actually. Um, so almost 10 years. Uh, almost half of my life. Wow, that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess like having a sense of community, whether I'm organizing with other organizers or um, now doing my own self-advocacy and climate literacy um, speaking engagements, I engage and talk about these things with whatever community I've happened upon. Hmm. And that helps. Um, so I guess I don't like necessarily like sit in bed and like you know catastrophize about like climate like the climate crisis because i have intentionally placed myself in a space of community mm -hmm. and different types of community that help me learn and grow as a as a person but also people in those spaces are also thinking and talking about the same thing as me like is this making you nervous like, you know, <laughs> so having 
um, is great because you make friends that way and making friends you talk about things that you can entrust them with like anxiety like talking about something that like like climate change you know so yeah. it's a big it's a big deal and I, I think yeah community is is a way but I think it's hard because a lot of therapists and, and clinicians and professionals aren't really trained on how to deal with that specific genre and category of distress and anxiety so like you know you walk up to your therapist who's maybe like a, an elderly you know white person and you're like yeah climate change and they're like what on that note um what role does race or race and age play in how you feel you experience this or how you can relate to other people on this issue or not uh, it plays such a huge role and there's such a difference in how we like experience the world like how we see and experience the world is like a fingerprint like it's so different for everyone mm -hmm. and your race plays a huge role like if you are a black woman like me i'm going to see the world from a completely different perspective than an older white male would do you think there's a difference um, in how communities of color or black communities are impacted? Um, obviously, we know that there are differences in how communities are impacted by climate change, how communities are able to adapt or be resilient in the face of climate change. But do you think those impacts extend in any way into the realm of emotions or mental health? Yes. Yes. And, and, but I think from like a professional or like clinical perspective, it would be hard to observe because communities of color, black communities, they don't acknowledge mental health in a way that, you know, therapy is kind of like not really on the table for a lot of families or communities. But I do think it is something that affects those communities mentally, whether they know it or can acknowledge it or not, mm. it definitely has an impact. And their what their higher stress levels, higher I mean, just a lot of especially the black community speaking from experience, the amount of times I have encountered a family member that is anxious beyond anxious and they're like oh it's just a little stress like no it's not like you should probably like take a break or like talk to somebody or um talk to me but it's not it's like let me just keep it you know inside and so the same thing extends to climate emotions like you know i have an i have an older set of parents and my mom was talking about climate change to her and really breaking it down because I really, something about me was like, I feel like she doesn't understand how heavy it is. Mm -hmm. And also I had a, like a speaking engagement and I was going over my presentation. And then after the presentation, I like got more in depth with her and she was like, man, that makes me feel really sad. And I was like, yeah, it, it should. I mean, sadly, <laughs> yes, it should. Um, but I think, even without having to break it down because of these different social barriers and community and, and a lot of the communities that 
BIPOC people have to interact with in different systems. Climate change is sort of built in that mm -hmm. system because it's all encompassing. So it just adds a little bit of stress to the plate of already overwhelming systems and, and concepts that will just inevitably keep keep you behind or keep you down or another bill to pay or oh man i have to switch to more green things eventually or are they going to switch all of the cars to electric it's just another social stressor mm. that isn't necessarily acknowledged in conjunction with climate change i don't think mm -hmm. but i definitely think it's there it's just not acknowledged and in an academic sense, like the way that maybe an academic might see or explain that. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I think there are people who are trying to sort of think about, you know, climate emotions, climate anxiety, climate and mental health. And they're trying to think about, okay, what might be the differences between how groups experience or like express um, these emotions and, and I, you know, some people would say, well, BIPOC communities just don't experience climate anxiety because we're busy dealing with so many other stressors. Um, and then some might say, well, BIPOC communities obviously are dealing with climate emotions because, you know, we're dealing with climate injustice, right? Like disproportionate impacts. Um, but that those emotions maybe don't show up in the same way. So what would you say to that? I think, I think, so I did, you know, say that, but I think a good example would be, um, so like think about diagnostic criteria, for example, a lot of diagnostic criteria is formed and shaped around a younger white male, um, so for me, I, I don't know if you know this, but I am on the autism spectrum mm -hmm. and as a black woman, my traits show up differently. They don't, there's just cultural gender, social, social, how I'm socialized. So it shows up differently, but it doesn't, it's just how proficient are you in understanding people who are not white <laughs> yeah <laughs> I guess, to put it plainly right because that's really what it is like when you you know go and talk to any sort of professional or try to advocate for yourself in any capacity when it comes to especially diagnosis like asd um you i mean i had to really advocate for myself because mm -hmm. it was like not a joke i was like no i'm serious wrote 30 pages i was like look and I even, I came with like the, the cultural competency because like we were talking about perspectives earlier, a white male perspective or criteria formed around a white young male is not going to be like indicative of any other culture, especially mm. of women. And that's another thing with climate is women will be impacted as well. It goes into childbearing and, 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 and it's just so, it's so all encompassing and intersectional. It really is. And though it may show up differently, it's who is it showing up differently to, right? Mm -hmm. So these institutions, a lot of that is run by um, 
non-black people or white passing people or white people. So it's showing up differently to them. So one of the things that a lot of young people, people your age, um, have been talking about when it comes to climate change and climate emotions is their feelings about the possibility of having families of their own in the future. Um, does climate change shape how you think about the possibility of having a family? And if so, how does it impact it? <laughs> um, yeah, it definitely it is like uh, on my mind. It has been for quite some time. Um, it definitely negatively impacts my desire or want to have kids because it's like is it really fair like if I have to deal with it and I've had to deal with it to different degrees throughout my life no pun intended (laughs) (laughs) would that be fair to then especially if there's no um no real concrete climate policies or or you know bills in the works or have been executed well it makes me wonder, would that be burdening a young person by bringing one into the world? Um, and I know from a very young age, I've always wanted to be a parent. I've always wanted to have children and be a mom. But climate change is one of those things where, and, and with the way that the laws are maybe going to be changed um, with, you know, don't want to get too political, it makes me wonder, will I even have a choice Mm. to like have that concern anymore Um, with my autonomy and with my body to choose that I don't think that the climate is stable enough to have a child. Um, Will that choice still be mine, especially um, if something violent were to occur to to me and my autonomy and was violated and then I, I would forcibly have to bring a human into a sad, hot, unstable world, and that would really break my heart. So, um, yeah, I'd say it definitely impacts that that process. Yeah, and I also just want to say, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be something violent happening. One in three pregnancies in the United States is unintended, um, and a lot of that is really simply because either um, of not using contraceptives or because a contraceptive method fails or um, a person for whatever reason doesn't think that they can get pregnant in whatever circumstances or it's just not on their mind. But, you know, so unintended pregnancies are extremely common. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, of thought and emotions and I I think personally for me like those are real considerations you know accidental pregnancies are for this so for me I I definitely consider accidental pregnancy but I don't even know I don't even know what the future looks like and also like I'm 25 so there's still quite a bit of time for that mindset to change but for Mm -hmm. now I just especially with the, the thought of potentially losing rights it's just maybe just be uber careful <laughs> in, my, in my young case especially if 
climate change is a huge consideration for me is just to sort of keep to myself and keep it moving, basically. Right. And of course, um, you know, biological pregnancy is not the only way that people create families. So do you think about other forms of family creation? Yeah, I do. I definitely, um, so one of my parents is adopted actually, and I've always thought about adoption and why it's important. And there, a lot of people adopt for superficial reasons, like, oh, let me give this, this kid a better home, kind of like adopting a pet, but you're adopting a human, right. you know, you're raising a human. It's not, let me give this person a better home. It's let me be your mother. Let me be your support system. Let me be your parent. Let me be with you mm-hmm. forever because I care, because I love you, not because because you want. And I think that's something that I, I think about, especially if I consider like not being, you know, in a traditional marriage and having a partner. I definitely consider adoption more as like an individual, as a single person that would still want kids because again, I've always wanted kids. I I have seen what bad adoption can look like and Mm -hmm. I know the reasons why I would do it and it wouldn't be superficial. It would be genuinely just because I care. And I guess to some degree, I would feel less guilty having a biological child because I didn't intentionally like create or like go and creating a new human. Somebody else did, but I still think the premise of raising a human is really important. And just because that other person had a pregnancy and decided to have the baby and put it up for adoption or whatever, there are different circumstances. It's not just, doesn't just happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to value the life that is already brought here. I do think that there will be actions taken um, on different levels, and I think it will start to look more positive. But like towards the very end of that 10-year span. Um, But I also think there's an element of technology that will be not necessarily a hindrance, but I think it might be a problem. Like, thinking about like virtual reality living in your headset or whatever um, might be uh, an epidemic of sorts where people are addicted to living in that space instead of being present. I have some thoughts about technology that could shape the way that we're handling climate change or how aware or how climate literate we are um, in the future. So from your perspective, and you've already said that you are, you, you feel hopeful or at least, um, some level of hope or optimism, what kinds of things could happen or what kinds of things can or should be done, um, to create a future that you would feel good about having a family and like a family of your own? I feel like. I feel like a lot of things come down to like government regulation policy. And I just feel like politicians should take a genuine interest in the communities that they serve instead of just being like, be on my side because yada, yada, yada. Really going out in the community, like 
boots on the ground, getting to know your community members, not having them come to you. You go to them and you can really make a change and really not, not having sort of this sort of bipartisanship where it's like this or that, hot or cold. Life is very fluid. It's not that boxed in. And so that would be amazing to have on like a national scale, um, local government, state government, sort of that thing, because right now it feels a lot of tension, a very this, a very that, a very I'm this or I'm that, instead of a we are a community and acknowledging that we literally live on the same place. Right. <laughs> the borders, they're imaginary. Right. <laughs> the planet, it's a one thing. Like we're not on different parts of the solar system. Like we literally live here together. So having some stronger sense of togetherness and community would be incredible, I think, to see, especially from politicians and government and really writing down what they want and not just being like, well, I think this is what they want. That's our episode. Thank you for listening to Climate Anxiety and the Kid Question. And please be sure to join us again.